Hello and welcome to Post Audio's Commentary, we, where we talk over movies we think you should give a chance. I'm Doug, the Michigander who chose this one for our viewing today. And I'm Jeremy, who's not from Michigan. <laughs> today we're talking about uh, one of my personal favorites, uh, one that kind of got handed down to me from like my parents. Um, it's 1997's uh, Gross Point Blank, starring everybody's favorite nerdy asshole, John Cusack as an apathetic hitman, Martin Blank, who returns to his hometown of Gross Point, Michigan, to conduct a job. And it just so happens to coincide with his 10-year high school reunion. Yep. Um, it's uh, I would consider this a romantic comedy for all those people who like to listen around the time in February, I, that particular day that I despise. But, you know, what can you do? <laughs> I, I know that you don't classify this as a as a rom com. I we we debated a little bit about this. Um, I would say it's an action comedy, dark comedy. I think there's a lot of time dedicated to the uh, to the romance in this. So. Oh no, definitely is. Um, I don't know. I just whenever I watch it, I think of this as a rom com, as a '90s. Yeah. A little bit more substance to it than like the typical '90s rom com, but. True. But you gotta remember, this was um, this was kind of a weird period because um, the screenwriter, when he originally wrote this, was like late '80s, early '90s, and crime films weren't really that big. They only really kind of got a resurgence until Pulp Fiction. So, yeah, Pulp Fiction. studio execs were starting were starting to ride that high of uh, you know crime films from then on. So that movie got its second chance or that screenplay got its second chance when uh, John Cusack and friends got into business to start producing movies and this happened to be one of his first tries at it yep and uh, you'll notice that in the uh, the credits here these opening credits that he's definitely got a producer role in it and we yep. also uh, if you're keen enough to look at it Joe Strummer did the soundtrack yes we we should Right out the bat, this is probably one of the greatest movie soundtracks of all time. I yeah, um, there's, this is definitely a what I would consider a Doug soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> like I think I have twenty playlists on my Spotify that mirror this soundtrack, <laughs> both in tone and just the themes. Yep, and um, decade. Oh, Dan Aykroyd. Uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd, um, I'll, I'll get a lot into it, but this is probably my favorite Dan Aykroyd role. This is this is right where he's on the edge of becoming. I think he's always been a little uh, enigmatic. I would I would say. I'm trying to think of maybe a yes. better word for it, but he, he started getting a little bit more crazy throughout the '90s, and this is, I think, this is just before that tipping point. Yep, and if you just noticed all the screenwriters for this film, um, John Cusack. Um, the main guy, Tom Jangasiewicz, I am probably butchering that poor Polish's name. Um, he's from, uh, he was from uh, Madison Heights. Um, and what came out of this movie was just his anxiety of having to return home for a high school reunion. And I think, Which, I mean, that's pretty normal for most people. And I think that's what's yes. so gripping about this story, too. <laughs> this, this is like one of my favorite things. It's just the 
the physicality of John Cusack in this role and how he's just so reserved when he's approaching, like both of them, like, look at them. They're just so stiff. Yep. But on guard. <laughs> it's a, uh, they've, they've got a lot of nuance to their uh, body acting in this one for sure. Yes. Um, and this has got a lot more, I don't know. Uh, it's a lot funnier to me now than the, uh, the first time I watched this. Cause this is kind of how unions operate. If I'm being honest. When they're trying to get yes. you in a union, which that's a, the funniest thing about this whole movie. Well, in my opinion, is that the uh, Dan Aykroyd starting a hitman union and an assassin's guild, an assassin's guild. <laughs> and he, uh, he wants uh, John to join him. They're, they're partners in the past. Uh, we assume that they're partners, partners the or they're just rivals or rivals. They, they've I would been say. Meeting, yeah. They've been running into each other for a while now. And yes, uh, uh, John just doesn't want to. He's his own man. He, he says a ton of times throughout this whole screenplay that he did it for himself. Really, he wanted to just go into business, business for himself. Yes, and this is, and I I think he really nails that home. And which is probably my favorite scene, the diner scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I, I'll kind of hold off on that one because it's like one of my favorite dialogue exchanges. Anytime these two are together on screen, it's just magic. Like it's literally like the old school, new school of just fast talkers. Yeah, yeah, it's both. Uh, I'm trying to think because um, Dan Aykroyd and Ghostbusters. I don't. Know, I'm trying to get some parallels between the two of them here. They they both kind of had the same kind of character, I think. Yes. If you boil them down, because uh, they're both businessmen. Like John Cusack's yes. a businessman, and then Dan, Dan Aykroyd's also a businessman. One or, makes vodka, one produces movies. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh, that's just typical Aykroyd. Just typical oh, Aykroyd, but it, it does have a little setup in that little exchange. It does, which yes. Which does have a, does which have does a... Have a payout or a payoff later. And uh, since it's an action movie, you always have to peel out. Yes. And I think Dan, Dan Aykroyd never drives a car properly <laughs> in the entire no. movie. No, he doesn't. It's... <laughs> And also '90s, <clears throat> '90s uh, cell phones, and tech. yes. Oh it. my god! Okay, I was gonna say you're gonna be commenting a lot on the '90s technology in this movie, from bag phones to computers to just—it's so much. There's so they have this just so many little things. And uh, if people don't know, that's Joan Cusack, brother and sister, brother and sister duo. <clears throat> They kind of started the same careers together. They're, like, you know, they were both in 16 Candles. Yep. Um, so that's kind of interesting. And since they, he does have producer's credit, he also introduces his other sister in this movie. She plays a little small role later <laughs> on. As a, uh, <laughs> I, I would assume, maybe a little bit exaggerated character, but I think a lot of people know somebody like that somebody like that <laughs> well that kind of fits in I, I i know we're kind of moving too fast because there is a lot to this movie and it kind of gets you right off the bat that he that joan cusack is just like hanging him on about like going to a high school reunion mm -hmm. because she knows like she's just trying to look out for him also a uh, quick note the lighting in this sequence for the the heart attack hit that he's trying to commit 
is awesome. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of greens and purples. It it reminds me of that. Um, oh, what is that movie? Oh, this is gonna kill me. Um, it was like the unofficial sequel to uh, Reanimator. Oh yeah, um, it'll come to us. It'll come to us. It it reminds me a lot of that. But yeah, yeah, it's the same kind of color palette. Yes. Uh, even this blue, like like this liquid that he's trying to use to to kill him. Ultra blue. Yes. Like everything else is. There's nothing else that is as stylized as this scene is in the movie. I would argue there's a similar scene to it later on in the in the actual reunion. A little bit. Um, a little bit. Maybe. A little bit. But no, yeah, no. This is like very stylized. Just this sequence here, and it's very pretty to look at. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. And uh, you you realize that uh, John's got no morals, or well, they may not no morals, but no qualms about killing. No, he has no empathy. There we go. <clears throat> That's what I meant to say. Like he kind of delivers it, like right here it is great. I wish that that was Matthew Broderick. I think. That oh would, my god, that would that would make it tie into like because I, I, I see this movie as a. 16 candles but 10 years later kind of deal well that's honestly that's like what i think and um it is a john hughes tarantino mixture yeah love child i i really i really wish that this movie was just filled with john hughes characters <laughs> i think that would be <laughs> it kind fun. of is it kind of is i mean it it really kind of it's got Once... all these different 80s actors in it so once you get into the middle of it, yeah, then you got kind of get to start seeing a little bit of it. But it's mostly just John Cusack and friends. Yeah, that's what it really is. And uh, I just kind of, I think that would have been a nice little nod to have Matthew Broderick in there as a uh, as a John Hughes reference. Right. Not to say there's, that there's not enough of them already, but a personal opinion, if you will. Also, Joan, what are you wearing? Well, they, he does make a joke. <laughs> She's got the most ridiculous wardrobe in this movie. He does call her Sergeant Pepper, and <laughs> I, I, I laugh out loud whenever every time he says it. It's great. <laughs> oh, I love that! A canary decided to sing, <laughs> which is a guy, a guy who's going witness. Yep. Into a federal investigation. <laughs> oh man, Joan's just hamming it up. She is. I edit, I love it. No, there you, there's your, there's <laughs> there your line. Is. There's my line. Look, Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> and of course, it, I like that she even like says like if fates. Fate's dealing your cards right now. You have to return home. Yep. Finally. And uh, just like normal people, there's all kinds of different reasons why they'd be forced to go back to the hometown. And right. You know. Because he screwed up the best. last. Yeah. Yes. Doctor Oatman. The uh, uh, what am I? Hmm? Oh yeah. It's a. It's a lesser known Alan Arkin role. Yep. But he's great. He's hilarious. He's uh he's essentially got a uh, a doctor at gunpoint for him. 
<laughs> yes. I'll just kind of oh, go ahead. I was gonna say that's kind of interesting to too is that it's a it's it's kind of a pre Sopranos, you know, a killer going to see a therapist. Yeah. Yeah, got and, before that. Yeah. And a therapist has knowledge that this person is a killer beforehand. <laughs> so I always wonder, it's like, did David Chase watch this beforehand? And that's what kind of grew out of that. Like he watched this back to back with Goodfellas and <laughs> thus Tony Soprano was born. It's possible. Like, how am I emotionally involved with you? <laughs> I'm a, I'm afraid of you. You scare me. <laughs> I think I said gunpoint earlier. I, I meant to say emotional gunpoint. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, I assume uh, that he's threatened. I think there's enough information there to assume that he's threatening this doctor <laughs> to, to help him yes. out. But he, the way John Cusack plays it off so well is that it just comes off as sarcasm. <laughs> yes, exactly. But because he's a killer, everybody has to take that seriously. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how this doctor is just consistently trying to get him out of the room. Yes. He's like, oh, do you want to do another, you know, half hour session? I'm still, I'm still feeling a little anxious here. I, you know, I still want to talk to him. He's like, no, <laughs> just, just no. leave. Like to the point where like John Cusack like kind of has to force him to do his job. Yeah. Yep. You know, but. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice little subversion of this kind of character. Yes. <laughs> how are you feeling <laughs> I'm feeling uneasy <laughs> this guy oh, he's holding a crucifix yep. <laughs> this is nice nice little details yeah yeah no again with the body language um, where his uh, he's always very hunched over trying to make himself yes. small just trying to get through this scene without dying <laughs> it's it's just really cool like he's putting the therapist into a position that <laughs> the therapist needs therapy <laughs> exactly yes again that's why it's another fun little subversion for this character it, it, it plays on your ideas of what a, a psychiatrist would be like or right a psychologist i always forget it, exactly where he is just so he's just too scared to even do his job yeah Don't you think obsessed is the wrong word? <laughs> yeah. And uh, here's where we set up. Here's where we set up the uh, love interest, kind of. Get a little bit of conflicts, yeah. You, you see, at least we're introduced to uh, early on. We don't, you know, she's not introduced immediately when we see her, which I think would be right. uh, a little off-putting, especially when that's that think... if if that scene happened the exact same way, you know. Yeah. I think that's kind of cool way how they set it up. Like it's just a little, little samples of the dialogue of just like this kind of helps introduce like who we're gonna meet later on. Yep. You know, and why why he fears about returning home because of he basically just abandoned his hometown, like his whole lifestyle. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Too anxious or something. Didn't want respons responsibilities. Um, yes. I'm not. You you get little bits hit 
tidbits of it throughout mm-hmm. the uh, throughout the story, but <laughs> services for Detroit contract terminated. <laughs> This this reminds me like a lot like Jurassic Park, you know. Enter program name is and <laughs> a computer talking back and stuff like that, and it's just like ah. Uh... That's just how people people were super excited about computers at the time. Uh, Windows yes. ninety five had just come out, so not like right. it was incredibly easy to use or anything like that. But compared to computers before uh, ninety five, man. People just mm-hmm. were excited about him. They, they're like, oh my goodness, this machine can talk to you. Here's our second music cue by Wisconsin's famous Violent Femmes. Yep. Overplaying a series of shots of Detroit. And this is about the only parts of the movie that are actually Detroit. <laughs> That's usually the rest of the course. film. The rest of the film was shot on location in L.A. Yeah, yep. But John Cusack actually felt really bad because he really wanted to film this in Michigan, but due to scheduling and budgeting, and Michigan is notorious for not really having the tax credits to film there. So most studios just opt out and just like to say, like, oh, log line Michigan, and then try the best to get away with it. Yep. And that, that's just what a lot of movies do. That's just the reality of these things. Right. But it does work in the sense that, you know, they're they're filming a story about Gross Point, which people refer to as the Beverly Hills of Michigan, but it's kind of funny there already is a Beverly Hills in Michigan. <laughs> but um but that that gross point architecture, like that they get they nail that. Heck, this could be an exterior shot of where they actually got to film there. Okay. Just enough to set um, it up. Right. And it's kind of cool because John Cusack did grow up in Evanston, which you could say is the gross point of Illinois. <laughs> it's close <laughs> of enough. Chicago. It, of uh, Chicago. Yeah. That's close enough. And here we go. And then... Now we know. She's making an all-80s final playlist. <laughs> I, I love that. It's perfect. Um, because I I I absolutely do adore this soundtrack. Um, like you go from a Clash dub song right out of a from a college rock song from the Violent Femmes, and it just blends so perfectly. It's like uh, Joe Strummer knew what to pick. <laughs> How many? Uh, he did a couple other soundtracks, I think. I wouldn't be sure. surprised if he did. Speaking of Joe Strummer, here's Rudy Can't Fail. Rudy Can't Fail. Nice little parallel. Yeah, Joe Strummer Can't Fail. Yep. Um, I know, I think he, when he was with the Mescaleros, he did, uh, like, straight-up soundtracks for, um, uh, who's the director of Repo Man? Oh, boy, I don't know. Because he did a soundtrack for that guy for uh, a movie about a, uh, a Mexican revolutionary tale. Um, him and the Mescaleros did a uh, did the soundtrack for that one, and it stars Ed Harris. Oh man, huh? So many movies that we have to watch. Yes, so it's, it's hard to get them all. <laughs> uh, and he goes back to his high school. So is this actually like where is this uh, high school? 
I think this is in LA. Okay. Um, and they just probably put over a different border or uh, yeah, sign up. Yeah. Wife. As <laughs> 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 a great line, <laughs> since. Detroit's greatest disappearing act since White Flight. You could have gone with Jimmy Hoffa, but going with White Flight, I applaud that. That is great. <laughs> That's uh, definitely a Michigander joke. Yes. <laughs> if anybody's just growing around Metro Detroit, that one kind of hits a little too hard than they'd like. <laughs> Ouch. Who plays the teacher here? She looks familiar. She does. Um, Isn't that the mom from the George Lopez show? Can't be for certain. Honestly. So I might... <laughs> I'm not going to comment it was. on it. Oh, it was. There you go. It was. There it was... Uh, yeah, it's Belita Moreno. Hey. I was like, yeah, that's the mom from George Lopez. Oh. This is great. Yeah. He returns to his home only to find it having been replaced <laughs> by the ultimate door. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this too, but the transition of this song from when he's outside to when he enters, it's Live and Let Die by Guns N' Roses. Yeah. So you hear Axel Rod's pipes. And then as soon as he enters, you hear organ pipes of a Muzak version. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good uh, pretty good transition, honestly. Right? It's like a, a little Polish organ <laughs> Muzak version. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you worked here? What, what are you, you doing, doing in my house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like how he's just antagonizing this poor kid. <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. I mean, I would be upset too if my childhood home get destroyed well that's kind of what you get if you just like leave out of the blue without saying anything for 10 years yep so i mean yeah you could be upset but like only for so long when you realize like uh, i kind of was asking for this i do love all the uh little details in this ultimate you got you got I, some I, little trojans in there and then the, the guy <laughs> with the detroit red wings hat and the fujifilm yep. blimp I mean, you do get to see some Michigan staples. Um, you got some better made. You have uh, uh, when he's closer to the fridge, you could see the Zimas and the Fago and yeah. uh, Rose. Yeah. I was going to say, I think there's Stroh's in there too. Yeah. I like how he gets up to, to check his phone here, but um, he realizes <laughs> he just, who it is and just leaves. He just leaves and like puts a pillow over his ears. <laughs> Uh, they got Arctic Sun. Yep. Fago Arctic Sun. They got Milwaukee's Best Ice. Milwaukee's Beast. Best Ice. Oh my God. Uh, uh, <laughs> just up all, about all it. the all the old Midwestern tropes. It's yep. perfect. That there's Stros. <clears throat> yep, there's Stros. Michigan sign. Mm-hmm. They they took some time to put um they took some time and effort into making that ultimate look like it's from Michigan. They put a little yes. a couple signs up there. You know. And you can appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, if you're from Michigan, you'll appreciate that. Um, and now he's found, found out where his mom is. And she is in a psych ward, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. It's uh, 
It's actually pretty heartbreaking. Yes. They don't reveal too much, like, how she got there or, like, what happened to the house for it to become a convenience mart. I mean, you kind of... Um, when Jeremy Piven's introduced, you get a little bit to that, but... Um, but, yeah, it's just so sad. Like, she's just absolutely troubled to the fact that her son just left her and her husband without a clue yeah you know and obviously it took a deep emotional toll and then yeah on her. but you, you also i mean we don't have too much there's a lot that you could assume about this scene where she mm-hmm. maybe she was already getting you know some kind of mental illness right 20 years ago um and maybe we're just to assume that it got a whole lot worse you know and this is what happens too with when people just kind of leave their families and don't check in for a while. They... Right. Like it, he even it's like it's a little throwaway line, but he's like, "What happened to all the money I sent?" And it's like, um, "You should have been there, yeah. dude." Yeah. It doesn't matter how much money you sent; like, it's not going to solve the problems that were at hand. Um. So yeah, it's it's very it's very tough. Um. So. For those listening, we're probably going to talk a lot more about story and character than we are going to talk about technical because in terms of technical aspects, this movie doesn't have too much to show. It's pretty simple, yeah. Yes. Not not too much crazy camera work or over-the-top special effects. Um, this is definitely all about characters. Yes. And this is, no, super, this, is... this is so sad. She doesn't even recognize her son. So the entire conversation that they just had is... <laughs> Essentially meaning meaningless. Meaningless, yeah. Uh, yeah. Super, super depressing. And then uh, this is another, another great character moment where we learn about his dad. And yeah, all... he, just, he just buys a seventy dollar bottle of Glenlivet. It's, yeah, it's Glenlivet. Jesus, it's like God, that's so expensive. And he just pours it out like yeah. ice cube, and it's it's a great moment. It's uh, it tells a lot in such a you know, short amount of time, you, mm-hmm. you you figure out that his dad is uh died from alcoholism, of some kind. Yep. So, and that's all it needed. And now, now you figure needed. out, you know, I, maybe it's a couple it, reasons why he left his home at that time. This we're good. Like I, 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 that's the thing I love about this movie. It's it's another great example of you know show don't tell. It's just small little character details that just give you a perfect amount of what you need to know. I like that shot of the uh, of the magazine too. The uh, yes, uh, the birth of creation or something. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot that happens with the kids in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of the. Uh, they, I'm not gonna say it's a linchpin moment for him, but it's one of those moments that kind of where he regains his empathy for other human beings. Yep, and here he comes back to find Minnie Driver. Yep, as our. Uh... Local town college rock DJ, <laughs> and uh, my dad and I were kind of talking about this too today, actually, because uh, one of our favorite radio stations out of uh, Windsor, um, and they were like known as like the alternative um, that you could hear throughout all of Southeast Michigan, and now they're no more. They got replaced by another yet again by another top forty channel, and it's just like there's only like a few channels left on radio but they're like so small and locale that um they don't get really enough airwaves across for people to really give a damn about 
So we just lost a great one. 93-9, the river. Rest in peace. Ouch. I mean, luckily, luckily it's super easy to find music nowadays. True. So as as much as, because it does suck. I mean, radio stations are a great way to find music that maybe you hadn't heard before. But when everything's mm-hmm. top 40, it just, it kind of loses its um, so, original sticking point. Exactly. So we kind of glossed over it, but she immediately kisses him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is great. Because usually, and that's kind of the reason I don't call this a rom-com, because most of the rom-coms build around the kiss. When will the kiss come? When will the kiss be? You know, and she just plants one because she is just overwhelmed with emotions of seeing him for the first time. Like literally, she—that's kind of cool. Well, they both are. She kind of got she kind he kind of dumped her in the most extravagant way possible by not saying anything, just leaving her on prom night. Yeah, it's such a movie. (laughs) It's such a movie kind of thing, too. It is a movie thing, but it it works because. She has not gone. She has not gotten over that. Yeah, and but it's it's not like she did nothing. I do like that how there's a couple lines where uh, she actually did other things. You know, yes. ten years, um, or else she'd probably be too. I, I think that they're called Vanic Pixies. Um, yes, those uh, early two thousands, late two thousands. Yeah, the late nineties, early two thousands. The Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say she is. There's I mean, one she certainly scene, has there's one scene the job that, of one. Yeah. There, there's one scene where I think it goes a little, <laughs> it goes a little overboard, but for the most part, I, I was, don't think, I don't think that she really classifies as one. She's not Kate Winslet in Eternal Sunshine, yeah. which people tend to say is like the definitive of kind of what started the whole idea of, you know, the pixie, manic, manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. And she's uh, she's not the only reason that uh, things get better for him either. Or at least I don't think. I mean, she is a ma- major factor in that happening, but there's a bunch of different little things that happen that gets his empathy back too. So Yes. Because um, um, I will say, because I will argue, like I've said, I don't consider this a rom-com because the movie doesn't solely focus on the romance. It is a big part of it. Um, but I would say that this movie is more about uh, literally an apathetic man who has no qualms about killing, trying to just find some semblance of empathy and humanity. You know, that's how I see it. That's how I see it as. I agree with you. I just think that the romance has a a lot of time dedicated to it. And that's why, that's the only reason why I consider it that. Well, this is like one of my favorite mini driver roles. Um, and this is literally like the year before her Oscar nominated role in Goodwill Hunting. Oh yeah. You know. Oh man, I've I forgot to point it out. Uh Pressure Drop by the specials. Yep. Just played. Originally done by Toots and the Maid's House. Yep. Rest in peace. Well, one of my favorite special songs of all time. And uh I think it's used really appropriately. Um the, mm-hmm. the soundtrack uses pressure in multiple ways. Um, and this is one of them. Once he, you know, first reconvenes with many is a pressure drop. So I can kind of relate that to him feeling the pressure of coming back, you know, coming back home. Right. And then okay, obviously so this, we'll talk about the second pressure scene when we get to it. 
Oh, that's probably one of my favorite musical cues of all time. <laughs> um, there's actually a few of them in this movie. Yeah, we've already talked about uh, one of them. So yeah, what are your, what are your thoughts uh, during this exchange? Um, <laughs> where it's it's it is very radio centric, um, and those are the headphones I'm wearing right now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So that's a little tie-in for our commentary in this movie, but I like it how they're literally calling in, <laughs> which is random locals asking for relationship advice. Yes, it's it's a pretty creative way to to have this scene go out where she's trying to uh, figure out him. her emotions. Yes. But, like, John Cusack's, like, body movements throughout the whole scene of just being super uncomfortable. I I was, like, thinking, does this movie get anxiety right? A little bit. <laughs> or is that just John Cusack being John Cusack? <laughs> it, it, it could be a little <laughs> bit of both. I love Hank in this movie. Oh, he's great. Um, yeah. Did you ever do that as a, as a, you know, maybe not a kid, but in high school, did you ever call the uh, radio stations? <laughs> only a couple laughing. of times but I, I do like she even calls out um, it's a little throwaway line too where she's just like oh there's our one of our local Michigan militia <laughs> <laughs> that joke has aged unfortunately <laughs> what can you do what can you do but surprisingly I just read uh, Ohio actually is the second in the country with the most uh, anti-government uh, militia groups. Um, I thought maybe. Michigan would be California being one, Ohio two, and you guys beat Texas. Oh my God, that's kind of strange. <laughs> I, I think maybe maybe that's an older study. Yeah, I was done recently. Okay. I know it surprised me too. I mean, there's. I I don't know if this means anything, but there I, there are quite a few uh, gun ranges in Ohio. Yeah. So. <laughs> There's one in every town. <laughs> we kind of glossed over it too, but uh, another, he sees Hank's area, and then he sees another guy on the street who looks very distinct, Yeah. but now he's with Jeremy Piven. Yep. One of his best friends from high school. And real life best friend. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's why I think that their chemistry is so good. Oh no! It really works. It's great, and they they don't get very many scenes together, so they really got to make the most out of. Uh... Which kind of, uh, it kind of lends credence to like probably my biggest criticism with this movie is I'm not overtly satisfied with the third act. The third act <laughs> is where it falls apart. Yeah, because it it does have a great sequence, and we'll get to it when we get to it. But um, a lot of stuff is left out and. It's like gets left out in the car, or gets let off into the cutting room floor. Yeah. Um. But I I wonder because when I was reading into this because of the screenplay is written by not just the main guy but there are technically probably three to four versions of this movie, and I kind of wanted to bring this up during the mini driver just planting one on him. Mm -hmm. Um, is that a lot of this movie is ad libbed and improvised. 
just because of that great chemistry rapport between all the actors. So each scene of this movie, there are three to four different versions of it. So they're technically, and they're and they're all edited. To th- there, there are three to four different movies of the same movie. <laughs> and that... so people are saying you got to release the other cuts. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Zack Snyder cut. Yes, it's the <laughs> of, of rom-coms cut of Gross Point Blank, <laughs> and but there would be three different versions of it, and I was just like. Because I was like wondering, it's like, oh, maybe in 2027 for the 40th anniversary or thir- or no, 30th anniversary, we'll get the other versions. The other of versions this movie. of this movie. <laughs> I, w- I will say the third act definitely feels like multiple movies. Yes. Uh, being you know clipped together. Mm-hmm. We'll get to it though. Uh, I liked his little exchange with the rent a cop too. Yes. Where... <laughs> <laughs> the guy is just like saying like it's like oh how'd you get that it's like oh they were hiring they were hiring yeah it was like it only <laughs> it a two-week like a, uh two-week course <laughs> two-week course <laughs> and it is funny there's this just happens i mean if i'm looking both in my life and my dad's life or my mom's mm-hmm. whoever you just run into people that you went to high school with all the time especially if oh, you stay yes. in the same town so like um like the high school i went to um, so I grew up in two different towns. So I grew up, they were basically right, they're neighborly right next to each other. I grew up in the town that my parents went to school with. And then um, when I was about fifth, sixth grade, it transferred over to another school. And the teachers of that school went to school with my parents and their siblings. did you know so and so it's like ah, i went to high school with them and it's like ah that's so cool i'm my family name is well known in a certain part of michigan (laughs) for good and bad reasons what can you do what can you do usually i don't pet my friends (laughs) but there's a little exchange between him and jeremy pevin where it's like he, he talks about the house yeah. I love this line. Yeah, he, torn down in the name of convenience. <laughs> <laughs> what a great uh, uh, double meaning. But I love it. Jeremy Jeremy Piven was like he tried to sell the house but couldn't, yeah. and he eventually yeah. gave in to the the Ultimart. <laughs> yep, they offered him too much money, couldn't turn him down. Yep. So, um, people like to joke or like kind of found problems with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because there's a lot of driving around listening to the car radio and um i liked that for that reason and that might be because this movie does it so well too it's because... it's what people do yes you know, I, I think every so often you do need some of these movies where it uh relates to you know our world and this is just something that mm-hmm. people do they sit they drive around and listen to music in cars yes exactly it, it does feel a little inconsistent just because whenever you're cutting you're cutting in between songs so it feels Mm -hmm. a little too fast paced occasionally when you do that Um, especially once upon a time in hollywood that happens all the time where it just seems like it's cutting between songs too quickly and i think that puts people off Um, but that's usually what happens when you're driving around (laughs) right but that's why i liked it because in this movie like there's a purpose for the soundtrack in that it's all diegetic yeah Every time a song is heard, 
you at least see the physicality of where the source is coming from. Yep. A lot of radios. <laughs> a lot of radios. A lot of car radios. A lot of car radios, uh, record players, um, cassette players. It's perfect. Oh, there's a band at the... Uh... No, no, there's not. I'm, I'm misremembering. No, I don't think there is a band. There's not a band, movie. but not there's still movie. some kind of music being played there. I freaked out at you. He literally tells him the truth, and nobody ever believes him. That is like one of my favorite <laughs> recurring gags, too. It's kind of the reverse with the th- with the therapist, where it's like he's just such a sarcastic personality that nobody takes him seriously. Yep, yep. Everybody asks him <laughs> if he gets uh, benefits or something. Yes. Do you get dental with that? What kind of benefits? <laughs> he would uh, with uh, the Anacroids Union. Yes. Yeah. Ah, uh, Pixies. I, I like I said, I got thirty playlists that are just mirrored after the soundtrack and ten of them have monkey gone to heaven. And like it's like looking through with a rifle scope. With a rifle scope, yeah. <laughs> How'd the assignment go? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing remarkable at all. Yeah. Oh my god, that but cell phone! I, I, <laughs> so oh, I know that is with the with the paper thin flip. Yes, <laughs> and uh, anytime somebody pulls out out a um, uh, antenna extension on their cell phone, you got to take a drink. It is just too funny. So, all right. So this scene here um, is an example of just Joan Cusack hamming it up kind of for no reason trying to give her some character so that she's because she doesn't get many uh lines in this so just like everybody else who's just trying to make the most of it it seems her job in this movie is just order stuff (laughs) look up stuff and uh uh, try to like budge into john cusack's personal life (laughs) yeah yeah just like any good sister would do doug come on (laughs) But they're not sis- brother they're, they're and sister. They're not brother and sister in this movie. It's, it's a meta joke. Yeah. Now this is extremely strange to me. I like Doom Two in an arcade machine. Yes. Not many I of those were. I wonder if you were going to bring that up. <laughs> I was going to bring it up a little bit earlier, but there's a lot of a lot more going on, and I knew that this scene has, it has a little bit more relevance. But <laughs> Doom Two in an arcade machine is so bizarre. Um, but this does lead to like one of my favorite <laughs> scenes. I don't care if it's unlimited ammo. It just the kid is just totally oblivious as Ace of Spades plays in the background. Yep. <laughs> and you do get a Tarantino cameo in probably the most Tarantino scene in this movie. <laughs> um because originally Tarantino was such a fan of the screenplay oh, and the director Yep, there's a, the Pulp Fiction uh, cutaway with um, some squibs attached to it. Yeah, Bruce Bruce Willis uh, lost his head, got his head shot off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Like, this takes place in 96. Yeah. And it, somebody just had this Pulp Fiction stand-up sitting around for Promotion. two years. Promotion. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Anyway, what were you saying? So, Tarantino originally wanted to be a cameo in this movie and die. But oh, uh, something happened to his scheduling. I think he was filming Jackie Brown at the time. 
Yeah. But oh my god, I love this. The potato <laughs> potato bomb in the microwave. And Jack Cusick just kind of looks that. at it for a second. What they the did f- that on Mythbusters. On what? The potato bomb in a microwave. Oh. <laughs> to see if it was possible. It's not. It's not. <laughs> well, I think this actually that looks like uh plastic explosives. Or yeah. Um I just always call it the potato bomb because it, but it is C4. Yeah. But they wanted to see if you could heat up enough of it in a microwave for it to blow up it would be difficult <laughs> i always kind of I, well i think that is the implication is that it's heating up to explode right um, but for 30 for 30 seconds for, for 30 seconds yeah no um yeah. i just i the first time i watched this i thought it was just on a timer yeah no i'm not all right <laughs> no i just lost my job pissed find a new job <laughs> Poor convenience store clerk. By Detroit Red Wings guy. <laughs> yes. That's weird. The, everything we've seen all has happened in a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, doesn't he say uh, it took him like two weeks to get there? Well, probably to get there, but like just to see him around, like from the beginning when he sees this scene, because the kid's in the same outfit. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I actually really like that it um it cuts away from them too, and he he's like goes and hangs out with his best friend for a little while, yes. and then he doesn't know what to do, so he just goes back to the convenience mart, convenience <laughs> store, <laughs> where the where the other hitman tries to kill him. Well, yeah, yeah. Some cure. So. <laughs> Not only was his original home destroyed, now the Altamark got exploded too. Now the Altamark is officially destroyed in the name of convenience. <laughs> yep. Um, this is this is a, a little minor error that I kind of take, not exactly hmm. offense to, but um, he says he wants to go to the Hippo Club, and he yes. he, he was around. Well, okay, so if he was going to high school in '86, I think that the national drinking age was 18. So I guess it is a possibility that they would have known this club. Yeah. Um, but when he says it, it seems he says it like he's so familiar with the location. Um, well, it's probably like it's a restaurant. Yeah, you know, it's a bar restaurant. So, because um, national drink or well, the state drinking age in Michigan became twenty one again, I think, in nineteen eighty. Because yeah, for the for a small window of time from like nineteen seventy three to 79 it was 18 and then for uh michigan legislation got back to work and said now nah, we're putting it back to 21 around like 80 81 82 um in ohio it lasted much longer than that um really both my parents were mid 80s so they're about the same mm. ages you know as this is and they they were drinking at 18 so ah got you I can't say for sure exactly when that changed over. I think it's sometime in the early nineties. That's uh it's one of my uncle's arguments is the idea of like if you're old enough to enlist, you're old enough to drink. <laughs> I see his point. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I think. <laughs> but I I guess that's like another we we do talk about just the characterization, but it just lends a lot to the idea of just what great chemistry 
all these actors have with one another even even the minor of characters it's just they just blend so well oh yeah like the uh, the bully great yes the bully only has two scenes but yes he does i think he gets his uh his point across he that i was gonna say he feels like a john hughes he's he is definitely a john hughes character 100 percent grown 100 percent yeah the John Hughes character um, growing up, the bully in high school growing up. Kind of wouldn't thing. it wouldn't it have been better if that role was played by up oh, there's Amy Cusack. There's, yep, there's Amy. Playing Amy. <laughs> <laughs> well, what were you saying? But I was saying like like how great would it have been like you you talking Matthew Broderick for one role. What if Anthony Michael Hall played the bully? That would have been awesome. That would have been great because one, he went from nerd to then playing bullies. <laughs> And I, now he's just the washed up bully what? who becomes a nerd. Yep. I that would have been very meta, and I would have really loved it. But we get Walking Dead guy instead. Yep. But that's fine. It's okay. It's, fine. it's, it's okay. It's 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 just a little detail that would have been fun uh, to to have in there if they could have done it. But maybe and, they had that planned and they just couldn't do it. Who knows? But I'm just realizing it too. Um, and it and it does lead credence to the white flight joke from earlier because gross what or gross point is extremely white and the only black person in this movie is the nsa agent <laughs> from iowa <laughs> well at least they're staying consistent with the demographics yes um because i think i think this uh I like the scene too. Is this where he brings up um, uh, being a hero or being a good guy or a bad guy? No, that comes up later. Oh, okay, we'll wait for it. That him. comes up right before the diner scene. Okay. You guys on an hourly rate. Hourly rate. <laughs> uh, I like and I like how uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd's just hanging around in the bathroom. Yes, Mister Grocer. <laughs> not coming back it's not coming back that is a little data Aykroyd's explosion fuck you guys fuck you guys <laughs> right, that's the end of that scene that's yep. definitely the more comedic this, this is what gives a credence to be a comedy more so than yes no this is a funny movie yeah no there's a little Amy Cusick stumbling out of the taxi <laughs> Little, like little that, that just makes me wonder what if in another version of the film you get more bits of that <laughs> like they stay on that like stay on her a little, oh, bit, a little bit more maybe yep. maybe that maybe there's a cutscene out there yeah um and we did kind of gloss over the um uh minnie's characterization too where yes. uh, she didn't do it wasn't like he left and then she just wasn't a person for 10 years you know where she had no character development um, right. She says that she got a marriage and then a divorce and then tried to do all this stuff to like, I don't know, change her life. Saw all these different mm-hmm. kind of people and then um, now she's back home, uh, living at her parents' place. So yeah, is, still li- still living with her dad. Yeah, which is pretty, you know, that's sad too. In its own way. Oh <laughs> man, there's a Michigan line for you. Yes, I know. Nobody buys American that's anymore. Right. Nobody buys American anymore. If she's driving a Saab. Yeah. A company that's now dead. <laughs> Just 
what what a what a gut punch of a line. If, if you're from Michigan, that's gotta that's gotta hurt. Well, that's that's a, and that's during the era of when just like GM was just laying off everybody left and right. Yeah. So and most jobs were being outsourced into Mexico. So yeah, nobody buys American. Here's your Ohio tie-in. Oh yeah, he's from uh, OSU. He's, he goes. He was on the wrestling team in Ohio. Or no, he was the tailback. Yeah, he was the tailback. Yeah. Uh, the other guy was a Northwestern uh, wrestling team. Yep. Which I was gonna. I when I'm. I heard Ohio State and I heard wrestling team, so I thought there was a joke there, but they're not related in this no. sense. No. No. So none of that joke. A little, a little bit of OSU though, for the yeah. Michigan movie. Who's the ghoul? <laughs> yeah. So this guy was actually is another friend. Like I, I, I made the joke earlier that this is John Cusack and friends, and it is. Mm-hmm. And this guy, the, the one that plays the other hitman that, with the the microwave C four, mm-hmm. um, he is actually uh, John Cusack's trainer. Uh, like fight choreographer. Yeah, fight choreographer, uh, jujitsu Brazilian jujitsu uh, trainer. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Right. I mean, he and the guys looks, from he definitely looks the part of a uh, of a I don't know he, hitman. I don't know if it's just the eyes. I think it's the eyes, and that's what. Yeah. And it leads to like one of my other funny like favorite moments is when he shows up at the reunion. <laughs> <laughs> it, just his eyes, and I think they even make it's like, oh yeah, I can kind of see it. <laughs> and he still hasn't opened up the contract yet. Yep, no contract yet. Which. You can see Pays into the reveal later. Yep. We're now firmly planted in Act 2. After he's mm-hmm. met everybody, it, that's when Act 2 begins. And uh, it's almost dead in the center of the movie where he's looking at that contract and uh, tossing it away. Yes. So he hasn't quite given up on it yet. Um, but you can see that he's I mean, you know, thinking about things a little bit more than he normally would. Right, like he's just got a whole suitcase full of guns, knives, daggers, and all of your home need essentials as a hitman. Yep. <laughs> it's the toolkit. It's, I love this. this is another little high school trope, high school movie trope, you know, sneaking into the... Yep. It's very, yep. it's very say anything. <laughs> it's sneaking into the parents', uh, yeah, parents house. Except he's not carrying a boombox with him. Nope. Or a trench coat. Yeah, or a trench coat and high top sneakers. <laughs> now this scene, uh, I could honestly somebody seeing this uh, as a manic pixie character from this scene alone. You can't come in. <laughs> <laughs> quoting a quoting a great pressure or uh, special song. Yep. You can come in. But just her just like jumping on the bed and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's real strange. At a room with the, the Seabrook stop the nuke. <laughs> and Clash over there, yep. Yep, there's the famous policy man uh slamming his base. It's only temporary. My apartment burned down on Devil's Night. <laughs> <laughs> That's alright, if you're not if you're not from Michigan or Metro the joke will probably fly right over your head. Or I mean, all you need to see is the crow. Yeah. <laughs> but 
Devil's Night, yeah, it doesn't really happen anymore. Um, and she's got a Viewmaster. Yes. Which is kind of funny. It's a little odd detail. And her bed, too. It has the frame where you could put the uh, the veil over oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, the veil's missing. But the veil's gone. And I, I think they did that only because so they could do their little cutesy scene here. The airplane. The airplane, which is so... I don't know. This is just so bizarre to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's cute. I get I get a little bit little bit of cringe every time I watch this. Really? Yeah. But I I, I love it just for that moment. <laughs> what if your dad comes in? You could give him one too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's got two posters. Uh, what was that? She's got two no nuke posters. Oh, there you go. Against that <laughs> you want to watch very... Crossfire? Oh my god. Yeah. No, Airplane was quite enough. Yep. Shakes her finger. Yeah. <laughs> but he kind of is. <laughs> he <laughs> is. <laughs> it's like, again, it's just that, it's just that great combination of a blend of just ad lib and just uh, fast quipping screenplay it's ah, it's great <laughs> these guys are just living out of this station wagon <laughs> yep yeah oh my god action movie get it yeah get a cruiser right into the parking spot oh here's here's that scene <laughs> here no no cold blood killer doesn't work like that (laughs) (laughs) i kind of like because it's kind of bullshit that they have to wait for somebody to kill somebody and then kill them and then they're the good guy but they're still killers (laughs) (laughs) it's it's an interesting little uh i don't know mind game yeah something along those lines anyway this yes (laughs) Uh, he's got his brown paper bag with him. Brown paper bag with the gun in it. Yep. And it's and he's just so inconspicuous. He's sorry. I was gonna say this is arguably like my favorite scene in the entire movie, and this just it's so funny. It's so, so funny. Well. How yes. He's just standing there with the brown paper paper bag on his hand. <laughs> yes. He's not being any any kind of stealth at all. What are you in Detroit for? Good Red, 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 Red Wings. Wings game? Yeah. Oh, I think Pro Bear retired before this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't know if we really talked about it, but this is probably my favorite Danny Aykroyd role of all time. We talked about it a little bit at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but things were really fast-paced at that point. So. Oh, I know. Um, yeah, no, he's there's one shot in this, and I'll point it out, definitely when we get to it mm-hmm. it's like the most terrifying shot of any movie really and it's when dan Aykroyd's running <laughs> at the camera with two guns in his hands oh um, yes it's so oh, it's great it's hilariously over the top but also extremely frightening but i, I love this part it's he's a new it, step kid. it's 
it just shows that they're both messed up people from the amount of prescriptions and just drugs that they take yep in order to do the job but he also sees a th therapist <laughs> They're gonna be putting it in the water for the citizens, like fluoride. There's your, uh, there's your reference. Yep. For pop culture reference to Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. Yep. <laughs> Doctor Strangelove. <laughs> Talking about the other killer. This is that payoff for him barking like a dog earlier. Oh yeah. Those dogs. Which I've actually, I actually know somebody that this situation happened to, or at least I knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy that this happened to. <laughs> a story through a story and, through a story. Yes, <laughs> who knew this guy? Who knew this guy? Who knew this guy's cousin? But <laughs> basically, the story is um, why the other guy is after John Cusack or after Martin in this is because he was on a mission to kill these guys. And the dog was a prized hunting dog of another guy. These guys were flushing out game with dynamite, and the dog accidentally fetched for one of the sticks of dynamite, and then they blew up. <laughs> and he got blamed for it. So that's why the guy's getting contracted by the guy whose dog that was. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Long go but Long this also uh, that's why this scene works too because it shows off why he entered into the business too yeah for personal reasons because he wanted to be alone yeah, lone gunman like that's the point of the job who wants who wants to get into this to be with friends yeah <laughs> you don't do this with the friends <laughs> mm-hmm um but yeah no you, you figure out that he's a pretty selfish character too yes and I, I like their dueling ideologies on this Oh, it's great. <laughs> no deal. But I love this delivery. Because he's trying to be quiet, but at the same time, just bridle all that rage. Yep. <laughs> but he can't contain it. <laughs> as, as, as crazy as Dan Eckert is, he is a good actor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't quite get the, uh, the gun back in his hand uh, and here's a little continuity error for those paying attention that uh, uh, waitress it's like disappeared gone yeah, yeah. but I kind of like that because the, the rest of the restaurant doesn't care <laughs> yeah the, the, they're just like going about the normal business I don't even think they look up you could read that as almost as an analysis onto America's viewership oh my god <laughs> no Doug welcome to my TED talk <laughs> welcome to my TED talk yes <laughs> the indifference of violence through movies <laughs> I test market positive thinking and here's John Cusack just ad-living for a straight few minutes but it does lead to like one of my favorite lines in the entire movie he's <laughs> just like I'm not married I don't have any kids, kids. Yeah. <laughs> and I blow your head off if someone paid me enough <laughs> And I mean, we haven't really talked costuming, but obviously the most famous um, costume in this movie is probably Mini Driver's green green top. It's 
it's like on every poster and DVD, yep. VHS cover, any kind of media cover for this this movie is that green shirt. Yep, it's a cool shirt. Oh yeah, it it's like Nickelodeon green goo colored, or it's splat, it's or sorry, very splat colored. It's very '90s with an '80s pastiche to it. Yep, the pastel. <laughs> Where John Cusack just dresses up as a as a reservoir dog with a red tie. Yep. <laughs> Don't kill anybody. <laughs> Don't kill anybody. <laughs> this is me breathing. Me breathing. <laughs> I like how he contemplates bringing a gun to a reunion. <laughs> but it's a setup yep. which we get to pay off later. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't bring his gun with him. And there's another great one later on too that pays into that too. <laughs> oh man, just and all the town cars in this movie. <laughs> there's yeah, there's I don't think that there's a single other car. Oh wait, there's a van I at think, one point. Yeah. Yeah, I was, there's a station wagon, but like all the t seeing all the town cars like makes me feel like I'm watching the X Files. <laughs> we gotta be inconspicuous, Doug. Yep. And also, Martin, why are you so late? I I do like this. It's like ah, uh, whose hand is that? Yeah. Dun dun dun. Don't know. Introducing some an element of danger. Yes. For just a quick second, but it's enough. It doesn't reveal too much, but you just know. Yep. Ah, uh, thank you. I'll go put this in rubbing alcohol. <laughs> yes. that's, a, that's a pretty funny line. I do like that one. <laughs> and thanks. Okay. <laughs> Great. And then I this is the, the meeting the father. Yeah. Scene. Yes. He's just chilling with a decanter. Yep. <laughs> so you're the you're the son of a bitch, <laughs> but he's just so chillax about it. He he, he reminds me of uh, somebody out of a the graduate. Yes. Where he's one of the older folks that's telling a, um, God, I can't remember his character's name in that movie. Um, um it's not the the Jaws Marrier character. Um, the actual the husband. The, no, <laughs> to Mrs. Ro Mr. Robinson. Yeah, no. Um, but even though he he does have that kind of feeling to him too. Yes. I like this exchange though. Six figures doing business with lead pipe cruelty. Mm. <laughs> Mercenary sensibility. <laughs> uh, that's good. Exploiting that's good. the oppressed. <laughs> Same old stuff. I, I like that the dad is kind of like he like he it kind of gets like pinched and like he's kind of a piece of shit too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck you it. Know, Let's just, have a drink. He's just like a capitalist. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, I'm a professional killer. Oh, good for you. It's a growth industry. Growth, yeah, growth industry. <laughs> <laughs> and he really chugs on that whiskey. Yep. 
Oh, we got some Faith No More before the Mike Patton days. I've been listening to a lot a lot of them lately, so start calling me Eric Andre because I can't get enough of them. Oh my god. Dude, I love Faith No More. Which is, that's kind of a cool thing, too. Like, the reunion scene is full of 80s pop hits, but it starts off with We Care A Lot by Faith No More. <laughs> it's interesting. I, I would it's say... Not the... I'm not sure if I mentioned this yet, but the the music choice early on is all alternative hits. Yes. But once you get to the um, um, the '80s reunion, it's all you know top of the charts '86 yes. tunes, and then I, I think a couple John Hughes references. Yeah, I mean you hear "Take on Me" at one point. You hear "99 Love." Yep. Um. But that is another one of my favorite lines too. We kind of missed where he's just like, she's like, oh, I'm so nervous. He's like, I know, I should have brought my gun. She's like, <laughs> what? Nah, it should be fun. <laughs> it should be fun. Yeah, it's an ADR line. Oh, I love this. Like, we used our yearbook photos to yeah. <laughs> the IDs. It's just like, oh, you monster. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Pictures thanks, put man. on. You're our demographic. <laughs> Yes. Ouch. A special torture. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the... Uh, this has got a weird humor to it. It's the uh, the hashtag relatable humor. Yes. It works for Three. the most part. It is a little yes. cringy, but for the most part, I think it flies. Well, I mean, that's kind of how you imagine a reunion to be. Yeah. It's just cringe. Yep. That's how so, they go. And that, <laughs> and, and that sense, the, the movie nails that. And again, like the sm the smallest of characters get a little bit of characterization that just works so well enough, you know, to the whole town of Gross Point. Yep. So it it's great. Yeah, no, you 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 see a bunch of different people, and they're all fleshed out mm -hmm. just enough that it makes it feel like a real town. Yes. Uh, the special pen. Yep. Got to be a little too obvious there with your uh, Chekhov's pen. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> there it is for top shelf clients. Yes, but I like the guy trying to like sneak up on Martin, and he pulls a jujitsu move on him. Yeah, <laughs> freaking out everybody. That kind of looks like Anthony Michael Hall. A little bit. You remember okay, Jimbo and Peanut? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, just enjoying uh <laughs> just enjoying these scenes. Oh I know. Now oh, they got White Lines playing. Oh yeah, White Lines is playing, which I don't mm -hmm. know if that's a real big eighties hit. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. I'm going with Grandmaster Flash, Mel May. Yep. But every everything else is is like what you get on those really cheap 80s compilations yes. and I don't think White Lines is on that it's a little Jenna, Jenna Elfman yeah. <laughs> cameo yeah this feels She's like a John Hughes moment yes even though wasn't it um, Joan Cusack that was in the Steel Trap brace in uh, oh maybe in 16 Candles on the bus man I haven't seen that movie in a really long time 
not one of my favorites. I know this. I don't go back and rewatch that one. So, if, in fact, I'm not. I think I've talked about this. Like, I'm. I don't like Breakfast Club. I don't like uh, Sixteen Candles that much. Um, like my favorite John Hughes movies are Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Uncle Buck. <laughs> like that's those are like those are the my go to John Hughes films. Uncle Buck. But I like it, like, Jeremy Piven's character comes back to say hi, and you could tell he's, like, obviously snorted something. Yeah, yeah, he's rubbing his nose, he's got a, a bunch of energy to him that he didn't have earlier. Yes. Like, the anxiety of going to his high school got to him, too. Yep, yep. <laughs> he just got some powdered confidence. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh, yeah, and he gets... Had 11 classes with you, whoops. <laughs> Oh, guys! Like I was looking for some validation in my life, and coming up short. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch! Ouch! That was a popular girl. Yep. But it's like, and it's like that was the hookup. Like, right? Isn't it like revealed that he was the one that gave him coke? Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) The cop. cop. (laughs) Yep. Well, he's he's not a cop. He is a. Security guard for yeah the, for the white a, a suburban yeah, yeah for the 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 gate literally the gated community yep up oh, here's my under pressure moment yep and again it's a it's a pretty big moment for his uh, character growth yeah um, you know there's that one person at the at the reunion that brings their baby it just has to be yeah it is a little strange. But there's always there's always people like that. They're excited, you know. They're excited to have kids. Yeah. They just want to show everybody they wanna, else. They want to show off, like, hey, that's exciting. Yeah. Brand new thing I brought to life. <laughs> but yeah, this is one of the few moments where the song actually just plays a well so long into the big crescendo of in the moment, and he's just holding this baby in the most awkward way, like just just studying it, <laughs> and then just the the. <laughs> just the two like mirroring off of each other it's great well, yeah here it is along the edge of the night and <laughs> love dares you to change our way and we weren't talking we did not talk technicals but that's a really that's probably one of my favorite shots of just that baby and him oh yeah uh, then just the, back the lighting yeah. the reunion dance floor lighting just really blends that well into that this movie does use like a lot of hues of like purple and neon and uh greens that you don't don't wouldn't really associate with a movie like this yeah you know now it's like um, a romantic comedy yes and i love the the, the camera <laughs> the little spy camera oh yeah he's got his little spy camera with him Nobody even questions him about that. Hey, where'd you get that camera? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's not like a consumer. Yes. You get your, your cities and dust, Susie and the Banshees. Yeah. And here's our, our drunk bully who who's like who's like trying to um Bob DeCephalo. It's like everybody's like, oh yeah, this ass. Yep, here he is. He's uh Abraham from The Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> you 
You want to do I some below? Want to do some below? Complete blank. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes it seem like he hasn't uh, uh, evolved at all as a human being. Yes. <laughs> I, I know, uh, we missed it a little bit earlier. Um, th- that one girl's walking in with like a wedding dress. Yeah. I have no idea what that's about. There's your graduate. <laughs> oh, yeah. But this is, yeah, again, this is where I was kind of talking about. Just the, the lighting does come back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not very as, like, it was in that, the the hit contract sequence. But this, it's still there. And it still looks just amazing. It just gives a, a flair to the movie. Yeah, look literally gives a color <laughs> that's it, it, yeah it it gives it color it gives it a palette it, it's a little it's a little cinematic but i could honestly see that happening in real life so yeah but again that that's how it works but i like it because it's like that's why i like movies like the big chill kind of failed at this idea of you know just friends returning and then like kind of reverting back to what they were in the past and like that like they're they're sneaking away from the crowd you know oh, yeah. they're just doing their own thing like literally hiding on pictures that, um, that would be what i do yeah that is what i do <laughs> that, I, I shouldn't i can't even say that anymore that is what i do so <laughs> do you want to dance <laughs> but they're just they're just there's your peter gabriel yeah okay the song plays twice in this movie doesn't it my love open the door i don't know Hmm. i wasn't paying um i mean i was paying enough attention to it but i don't think it plays twice Hmm. i don't know what the other scene would be Uh, i was thinking oh so we were talking a little bit about this earlier because um uh, just a little bit the we care a lot but now here it goes back to your alternative with uh, yeah. uh, Tones on Tail yeah this <laughs> I, I don't know anybody would be I don't know if anybody would be actually dancing to that song outside of like maybe my parents <laughs> yeah like I, that's a song where once it comes on people look confused and then leave the dance floor As, um... they all start dancing so I don't know it's the the it's pretty consistent musically for this this yes. reunion, but this is where it kind of, I don't know, this is me just kind of thrown off. Yeah. yeah, it's a good song. Oh no, I love that song. Um, um, I just can't believe all these people are dancing to it. <laughs> right. Well, because I was like thinking about this too, because like you hear the Violent Femmes twice in this movie, and uh, you know they were the big Midwest college band. I mean, you, but they were like from Wisconsin, and you had the Bodines from Minnesota, and you had. Uh, somebody trying to think of one from Ohio, but like I was thinking because it was like my dad's birthday uh, the other day, and uh, one of his, his sister like sent him uh, the video of the Hunt Tunes, which was the band that uh, my mom and him uh, kind of bonded over. Um, and they are from Michigan, and they were like kind of like one of those bands like Bodines or the Violent Femmes that I real like they really wish kind of like blew out of the college rock scene. Fortunately, they didn't now they're high school teachers just living their lives but um i was like oh how great it would have been for this soundtrack to have a hunt tune song on it because then it would be very meta it would be um yeah joe strummer 
You weren't Just perfect. You weren't perfect, Joe. You're good, but you weren't perfect. <laughs> yes. Uh, no. I. I maybe it was just hard to get the rights to some of those songs. You know. Yep. I. I will, it would be difficult for me to believe that, but it's a possibility. Um. And here's <laughs> here's the hit man. He's come back. He's come back. He's Sidney Feldman. Yep. What's your <laughs> name, overseas. Sidney Feldman? It is I, Sidney Feldman. <laughs> Sydney Feldman. Yeah. I'm clearly <laughs> been overseas. Yeah, <laughs> she notices that the, uh, the not quite the right accent. Yep. Oh my gosh, there's always that guy. <laughs> He's absolutely crushing it at the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah, it's the bully. Um, going a little too hard. Yes. All right, and so. We are now uh, at the beginning of Act 3. And that's when all the action returns. It becomes an yes. action movie for the last little bit of it. Yep. And I do like it. He just goes to his old his old locker and then... And this is... Uh, that's kind of interesting, too. Uh, she says, I'll find you. And uh, yes. so it doesn't... Um, so it doesn't come off as being strange that she walks in at that very particular moment. Right. So at least they do set it up. Yeah. Fine, Bob. How are you? <laughs> I like this. You really believe that there's some stored up conflict that exists between us. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like trying to help others in a sense. Through his own nihilistic way. Yep. Well, oh. he knows he knows when to get in the fight and when not to. Yes. And this is clearly not that point. Yep. We get examples of both in this scene. Yeah. Or in the I, upcoming scenes. Yes. I do like that. He just pulls it out. Yeah, he just pulls out a poem. He just pulls out a poem. It's all crumpled. It's got some notes on it. <laughs> The only thing that the bully is... ever needed to do was express himself. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's a terrible poem. <laughs> you know that's terrific. But I like he's like he's like I wouldn't sell the dealership or anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For a while. Yep. Just skip to the end of the blow. Book. Yep. It's a, it's a sweet little moment. <laughs> and he, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, no character goes unnoticed. Yep. In this movie. Even even the bully gets his redemption. You know, that's what a lot of movies could use. <laughs> you know, because I've been hating that pathetic attempt that some movies will try to just shoehorn a gay character in for no reason and the only characterization they have is their sexuality and it's like well then what what are you trying to do here like make them pop make them a, a character don't make them want have one trait define them everybody wants will and grace without having the uh, put in the effort yes <laughs> to be fair though will and grace was a tv show and it was a little bit easier to put more time into them right in a movie but... you need to be a little bit more concise exactly and I like that. He, he goes to his old locker and finds the 
ten year old. Yeah, the ten year old do yeah joint. It just it just breaks it apart. <laughs> it's still there. <laughs> but I like this guy's both his scenes. He just enters and they just, <laughs> they just start immediately fighting. start fighting. Yeah, it's great. This is kind of when it feels like multiple movies. Yes, coming together. Um. And I don't know about you, but I had multiple lockers in high school. Yeah. So like like yeah, you have three different lockers and damn, that was a kick. <laughs> <laughs> um no, yeah, you I had a different locker each year. Yeah, so maybe this was his senior. Yeah. Senior locker. I don't even think I could pick mine out again, if I'm being honest. Yep. Got a great English beat song. <laughs> It's a great use. <laughs> I'm sorry, people, but I'm going to just talk about how much I love the soundtrack. Great. I mean, the soundtrack is... Oh, there's Chekhov's pen. Yep. The, the soundtrack is... Um, it's not exactly uh, high fidelity. Uh, but, yeah, that's, people like... but that's what a lot of the charm is to this movie. Yes. Oh. Uh, don't kill him. Oh. Killed him. Oh, and a great use of 99 Luft Balloons. Yeah. <coughs> it's not what it looks like. Uh, it, well, if I was a, it, in her shoes, I would be like, um, <laughs> she I would call the yeah. cops immediately. Right. But she's it's great because she's obviously freaked out. And I, well, and it's set up earlier that this character was on a, is on drugs. So yes, maybe that's why he's not freaking out. Right. Hey, is that guy yeah. <laughs> Millionaire's pet gets detonated, you get marked for life. <laughs> <laughs> Believe in a chief. Oh yeah, all the uh all the uh high school spirit <laughs> science yes. movie. Very prototypical. I I always love the, the disposing of the body of this movie in a very old high school that still has that furnace. I was going to say, man, that is an old high school then. If they yes. still have if they still have a working furnace. Because this reminds this high school is like kind of um especially the out, the exterior architecture reminds me of the old high school of my old of my high school mm-hmm. that became the the deferral high school for um the the, the delinquents. Delinquents. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and it and it has one of those smokestacks with this type of furnace still. Oh my so god! So it's like there's they're still out there. I they can't be using day. it. No, you get you get central heating for that. Yeah, but I'll, it's it's still super hot. But how convenient that it still has a boiler room. Yeah, <laughs> with that furnace. I think it would have been funny for them to run into somebody else too while they're carrying that, uh, like that a janitor or a janitor or another uh, <laughs> reunionist, high school reunionist, somebody. Yes. And maybe put like the cop in there showing up, and then them having to try and explain their way out of it. I think that'd be a cool, you know. I love the shot scene. of them coming back over the red light. Yeah. To, oh uh, yeah, the red light is really doors of your heart. Yeah. My favorite yeah. English beat song. <laughs> Just walking slowly. 
and he's and he's slowly coming down from the high. Yeah. <laughs> this is great acting all around. Well, that's how I know you've got a true friend. Yep. He will burn uh, a body for you. Oh, and that's a great tell. Great tell. One, Jeremy Pevin just looks at him as he... Whiskey. <laughs> yeah, the other guy, he orders like a very alcoholic drink and he just stone cold s- sober. Yeah. <laughs> but the party's died down. Hey, have you seen Debbie? <laughs> oh, I like it. He thanks him for the pen. <laughs> Later on. She's probably going for the cops. You gotta find her. Yep. But this is where the recurring joke drops when he's like, "Yeah, well, now he's having second doubts, or or second thoughts about his friend." And and that's why I kind of feel bad because that's the last we see of him. Yeah, yeah. They they leave on this this note here. I do kind. I wish they had a bit more of a wrap up, but I think it makes more sense for the character. Yeah. That the. This is why he doesn't have any friends. So exactly because he's just so asocial and he doesn't really know how to get those feelings out. Yep. Um. So it's probably for the best that he does just leave. But uh, yeah, he's still drinking just club soda. Like he's got Perrier. Yep. Oh, that headset. So fancy. I love this. <laughs> Oh, where he calls it, yeah. Yeah, he's just like, I don't want to work with you anymore. Yeah, so he breaks his phone. I don't want to work with you anymore. Things are going well here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) That poor phone. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I guess Uh, it's not the phone. It's the, uh, uh, Voice recorder. Voice recorder. <laughs> but it's great. Just that little setup. There's that little... The the woman sobbing and he's <laughs> destroying his own phone. And Debbie comes back. Debbie comes back. Just to berate him. To braid him and kind of like to kind of get the idea of like, but still, like he still kills. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh! So you were, <laughs> you weren't kidding about the. Hitman yes. job. Hmm. People people don't joke about the things they don't do. <laughs> moral flexibility. As in uh yes. no moral. <laughs> I forgot this is, this is a really great scene too where he does explain like yeah i was a government contract killer and then i just went into business for myself and it's his whole ideas of he's he's very nihilistic yeah on just everything 
you know. Um, but like checked. basically, he he was he was sought out by those programs because he had the personality type. <laughs> yep, and and, and so just... it makes sense him leaving in high school. Yes, if that's what his personality type is, so all makes uh, <laughs> pretty good sense. I know yes. that sounds bad. <laughs> I, I love that. He's just like, no, psychopath kills for no, no reason. reason. I kill for money. <laughs> I kill for money. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why it kind of this doesn't work as a rom com because when you watch this movie, do you want her to end up with um, after she finds out all of this? Well, he's the main character, so you're always going to be rooting a little right. bit for the main character. But um, in to put it in, like, say, his terms, if you want to think about this. Yeah. Um, but I kind of like she throws back at him like you're, you're trying to you're using me to try and find your humanity. Yeah. You know, you're using me as an excuse to, like, find that. And it's it's great. But that also shows the fact that, like, he shouldn't be in relationships. So it's like a kind of, he kind of was right to leave everybody yeah and it's another uh um point for her not being a manic pixie i think as well yes um i'm gonna have to look up the definition again but um like i think i would i would give this movie a hundred percent you know favorable review if she had her own agency to the point like she doesn't end up with him it may be yeah um, but oh, if we get back to Joan Cusack being Joan Cusack, <laughs> yeah, she's burning the uh, burning, burning everything, <laughs> the office down <laughs> with a lit cigarette. I was gonna say, yeah, you've got a lit cigarette. You gotta be careful, Joan. <laughs> oh, she's oh no, that poor computer. <laughs> and um. I mean, that's clearly what the joke is, though. Is it has a cigarette and throwing gasoline everywhere. I just, I, I kind of miss that on other reviewings. But when he said, "I'll come find you," and her response as, "Why?" <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Joan Cusack is great. They, they, they weren't that great of friends, so it didn't make a, didn't make any sense. They're just business partners. All right, he, all that money. And he finally opens up the contract. Yep. Oh, you get a non-diegetic of uh, the Pogues. <laughs> um, what was it? I, I, I wish that uh, Mini Driver just had a couple more scenes in this movie. Yes. And then, then I give it, I review it a little bit more favorably as well. Um, I wouldn't yeah. mind that they get together at the end, but I, <laughs> I like they don't do enough to uh, but cement it. There's, there's a twist. The red ledger turns out it's her dad is the target, yep. and he's conveniently wearing a red sweater. <laughs> <laughs> and Dan Aykroyd's already ready to kill. Yep, Dan Aykroyd's already there. Yep, I think that is a pretty good t twist, though, that the contractors are dead. Yes, like he is the, the federal witness. Yep, and so now uh, now he's got to change his ways. Yep. 
Save the contract that he was supposed to kill. So, you've been a I, I do have I do have my problems with the third act. Yeah, because it gets really rushed, and again, I don't like the fact that she still stays with him, even though, even though he saves her through the cost of. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just love that. Back for life that I'm in love with your daughter. And then Dan Aykroyd. God, that guy already. Probably he either loves his daughter. His daughter. <laughs> Found a new respect on life. <laughs> <laughs> but as I was saying, um, in order to earn her back, he does it by killing people. Well, or. So that's why it doesn't. It, the, other side like... the, the other side of that coin is that she saves. Or he saves her dad. True. Um, Through killing I, people. I agree that there needs to be a little bit more. Right. Uh, what What else were you gonna say? But no, that's I was just gonna like to just that the third act is definitely rushed, but it does lead into a, an awesome sequence. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it is one of the more rushed third acts that I think we've seen. Yes. Um. And it's just it's a little unfortunate because that that first two cor- two thirds of the movie is very uh very tight. Yes. Very well put together. And I think mm-hmm. I think it's just because you're saying there's like three movies going on. That they were all trying to, yes, keep and they and they literally converge and literally crash with one another. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Don't move. <laughs> but this is this is the John Woo sequence. <laughs> yes, uh, just unlimited ammo, but it doesn't matter because it's just all great. And this is was this the terrifying shot you're. T- <laughs> Oh yes, when Dan Aykroyd's running at the camera with those two guns. Oh my god. I'd be if that happened in real life, I'd be scared. <laughs> oh my god. Just Dan Aykroyd running at me with two guns. Oh fry pan. It is just so terrible. It's like it's like so absurd too. I don't know. You just see this crazy man with two guns running at you. And they're like magnums, the gigantic yep. guns. But also, it's still he's still crazy because he just did the definition of overkill by shooting a man multiple times and then beating him with a fry pan. Well, he wanted to make sure he was dead. <laughs> with a fry pan? I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Also, I love the look of the henchman. Like, this guy's got a, a flat cap and a very 90s Cosby sweater. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wouldn't be a Cosby sweater. Uh, oh no, it was a windbreaker. What? Okay, yeah. With Cosby colors. <laughs> Here, take this. Not excuse. Here, <laughs> take this gun. Oh my God, Danny Aykroyd is just the best. I'm gonna blow your freaking head off. <laughs> Popcorn. <laughs> just always got the position guns like that yep yeah so so it's like he twists his whole wrists around I, I do like that little touch where she's like can you make this gun work yeah while pointing <laughs> it at him while pointing it at him <laughs> and the way she says it is so funny yes 
can't aim through the tears. <laughs> like I said, just, Dan Aykroyd is just absolutely maniacal in this. The tears. That is such a funny line. Yes. <laughs> As he just throws his guns away to pick up some more. Yes. Very John Woo inspired, for sure. Yes. And it would have been fun to see Quentin Tarantino in this scene. Oh, that would have been great as one of the henchmen. Yep. Of course. No meetings. No meetings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I love it. The NSA agents show up after a long time. Oh, yeah. And then we forget about Grocer it. Grocer kills them, too. <laughs> 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 it, it's, he's doing it with a smile on his face oh it's great look at that empty <laughs> oh my god but this... of the world unite <laughs> yes front me probably one of my favorite ways to take out the main bad guy with the TV it, it's I, I like it but it is a little anticlimactic yes I wish it was shot I don't know. I wish something was just a little different about it. But it works. It gets... It works. Again, this was... That kind of... It leads to the idea that this was a little bit of a rushed third act. Yep. <laughs> but it's it's still too funny because Danny Aykroyd's delivery of that popcorn <laughs> right before he dies. <laughs> it's could, perfect. Could, could you toss me a gun? <laughs> like, yeah. Come on, Danny Aykroyd. You know what's going to happen. <laughs> Can you front me? <laughs> he, just, he just wobbles back up to the to the bathroom. To the bathroom. Just all bloody and an absolute mess. <laughs> and she just starts shooting. Yep. It it would have it would have been funny if he got shot there. I, I don't know. It would have. Oh my god! Yeah. It would have drastically changed the tone though. And uh, at this point, the tone is like goofy and over the top. So. I think it'd be a little mm-hmm. too. It'd be a little too brutal if she just shot him. I also like she doesn't give him an answer to his marriage proposal right away, but the dad's like, "You got you my, my blessing." blessing. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, they do play violent femmes twice. There is some real to real. But oh, yeah. yeah, I. Uh, it ends way too quickly. Um, that is probably my biggest critique of the movie. Yep, I agree. It's just a rushed third act, um, but we get some final exterior shots of Gross Point. Yep. Subtle tunes of Blister in the Sun. <laughs> just a might stop. They really jump. like that one road, don't they? They really do. I mean, come on. Right along the, Saint, the shores of St. Clair. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it, it is a cool... It's a cool looking location. So it is. Um, speaking of, we. Uh, I mean, I. I need to. I, I'm due for a visit there again sometime soon. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's one of my personal faves. Uh, Gross Point Blank. I was gonna say yeah, you definitely uh, carried this movie on your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, I like it quite a bit too. It's it's just not my favorite or anything. It's I got a lot like... of good moments. It does, and it, this is kind of one of those movies that you know go 
pretty much under the radar. I mean, when people think John Cusack and great soundtracks, they immediately think high fidelity, but like, I can't watch that movie because that character is an absolute nightmare <laughs> of a person yeah. compared yeah. to the professional hitman. <laughs> um, so that's why this movie to me is more tolerable in that fact, in that Martin Blank is at least trying to find redemption, whereas um, his character in High Fidelity is just an absolute asshole the entire movie. We might have like to rewatch dirt, that like one. a dirt. We might, um, cause that it. I like that soundtrack, but I don't like that soundtrack as much as I like this uh, one. This one, uh, this one is really good. This one's got to be up in the top ten of good, uh, not original soundtrack, but you know, uh, like I would, I would songs. say, I would say that this is like it's like one of the most consistent soundtracks to a movie where the soundtrack might be better than the movie. It's like one of those examples. Yeah. But I like the movie enough that um, I, I enjoy the movie all the way through. You know, it's not like a Marie Antoinette type deal where the soundtrack is clearly superior to the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Where it's the only reason to watch that movie. Exactly. No, this, this movie has, I quote this movie a lot. Um, It's, it's got great chemistry. It's got great characters. It's my favorite Dan Aykroyd performance, for crying out loud. <laughs> um, even though I'm not usually a big Dan Aykroyd type of guy. Um, but in this movie, he, it, it just works. Um, dog had something so, to say, too. <laughs> yeah, no, I had the dog in the... Um, yeah, no, this is starting to turn into the uh, the 90s show. That's true. Every movie we've done so far, so maybe we might have to change it up next. Get into a different decade. Um, I mean, I don't mind it being the nineties uh, sleeper hit classic show, but neither do I. I think there's quite but, a bit going on. But there are there are other decades of films that I enjoy that um, most people, or who knows, maybe maybe people do know a lot about Gross Point Blank. I don't know. I think. It's one that people should give a shot. Just don't shoot anybody. Take a shot at it. <laughs> um, because I I love this movie. This is one of those movies I can watch on a Sunday. Um, drinking Fago <laughs> while viewing it because it's it's just uh, it's, it's just too nice Michigan. slice of pie for me. It's too Michigan. It's the most Michigan movie that was never filmed in in, in Michigan. <laughs> I uh, I as usual I'm I'm almost like a broken record here, but I pretty much mirror your sentiments uh, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, I I don't like this movie quite as much as you do, um, and I think it's just because I don't have the same locational. Uh, I I again like I think I, I call it personal because yeah this is one of the movies like because um this for one I I heard the soundtrack first before I saw the movie. Because mm-hmm. um, where I grew up, like I, I didn't really watch too many R-rated movies. Um, but this was like one uh, that my mom said was okay to watch when I was like a little bit younger, bef- under 17, to watch with them because mm-hmm. it's a movie that they love. And um, But yeah, this was the soundtrack was I had in one of those CD binders that you'd have in your glove box of your van. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we would play that from time to time, you know, so it was it's it it's personal for me on that level too um so it's a great night like nice little 
nostalgia callback. Um, so no, I, I agreed. Absolutely um, adored this movie. As as much as rushed as that third act is, it's still got some fun lines in it. Um, it doesn't have too much cringe humor or anything, even though no. it's in there a little bit. But that's just my—I guess that's my personal taste. That's probably just the John Hughes. That's the John Hughes. The, yeah. Again, if like if if there's anything to like walk away from this movie, if you are a fan of John Hughes '80s movies and John Woo Tarantino um, action fast dialogue type movies from the '90s, then this is one you will enjoy. Yep, check it out. Without a doubt, check it out. And um, uh, I think that's all we got to say on this one. What are we gonna say? So, uh, thanks for listening to Doug and Jeremy on Post Audio. Um, we'll catch you next week. Yep. Uh, goodbye. Bye.